Hey, I want to just to pray real quick, and we're going to get into this. I have a lot to share, um, and but I just want to just let's just invite the Holy Spirit, Lord Holy Spirit. We thank you. We thank you that you're such a good God, and we thank you, Lord, that you left your Word, Jesus, that we could make sense of life, make sense of things, even the supernatural things, Lord, we, make, you, we can make sense of it, Lord. And I just pray against any anxiety or fear as we share what we share, Lord. I pray against any anxiety or fear. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, we have an open heart. I pray open heaven, Lord. I pray what Paul prays, that if, if there's anything that I explain that you don't get, I pray the Holy Spirit makes it clear to you. And so that's what I just pray. Lord, we just pray against any division, any scheme of the enemy, anything like that would try to bring division into our body, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, let's give it up for Grace. This is her last Sunday. Oh, we're going to miss her. She's been leading our youth for a couple years, and she is headed to Kansas City to international IHOP. And uh, not the pancake place. You know. She's not do- moving everything to the pancake. You know, International House of Prayer. And we're so excited for her. So, well, hey, we've got a little bit of a family talk today. And uh, I think everyone will get some out of this. But if you are new, I apologize. Maybe you're going to be clueless about what we're talking about. But um, we had a guest speaker a few weeks ago, a good friend of mine named Lisa Swayze. And... Um, I've known Lisa for many, many years, and she is, the fruit of her ministry is incredible, um, understanding of God's words, the things of the Spirit, the miracles that she's seen is incredible. Um, she's a personal friend. She's a mentor of mine. She's also, if you haven't figured out, a big personality. If you were here, she's a big personality. She's got what she calls kind of a breaker anointing. I mean, when she comes in, she just kind of breaks up the follow ground, but a totally different expression than I am, if you, if you haven't noticed. Some of you might have been whiplash if you hadn't been used to it. And um, so many people really, really received from her ministry that day. Many, many people were, said that like was a life-changing day for her, for them. Many people were healed and set free, and we had all kinds of things. The altars were, went on to like three in the clock, three o'clock in the afternoon. What I remember, I wasn't here, but from what I was told, I should say. And um, yeah, so a lot of people sent me great emails, but then I also got several people saying, "I'm not so sure about this. What's going on here?" Some people were a little afraid. Some people were uh, confused. And so I just, you know, I wasn't here that day. I wish I could have been to bring a little pastoral covering, but I wasn't. The one thing I do want to apologize is to all our kids workers. It went really long, and I felt so bad for our kids workers at back in the back, just holding on, hanging on, going, is this what's coming? You know, they were looking at the line. It doesn't look like things are winding down. And, you know, the kids, it's going to be okay. So, you know, I just want to let you know our normal um, approach is to let you out at noon, and if there's any ministry that's happening, we, uh, we we say, hey, go get your kids, bring them back if you're really are min- you know, having ministry time. So that's our general approach. I listened back to her message, and I didn't hear anything unbiblical in her message, 
Her word was solid, very helpful, uh, taking authority as a believer uh, of the flesh, the world, and the enemy in our life. But however, during the ministry time, a lot of questions rose, things about tongues and, and spiritual gifts and proper order and people acting crazy at the altar. And, you know, we had a lot of, a lot of people ask. I felt what I needed to do was, hey, let's stop. Let's talk about it. Let's go through it. I'm not going to act like it just didn't happen because, uh, yeah, it, it's a big deal. And, you know, our church is a very unique place. It's very unique. In fact, I've never been a part of a church so unique as this. The backgrounds and the, and the spiritual uh, backgrounds and upbringings is just, it's just so diverse. I grew up in actually an Assembly of God church. Everybody in that church grew up in Assembly of God church, basically. <laughs> so we've got this unique, unique thing, and I love it, and it's a gift from God. But occasionally, we'll bring somebody in that's got a little bit different flair in the body of Christ, and it can be a little, little bit different. And so I'm thankful that many of you came to me. Many of you dug deeper into the scripture, deeper in the word to clarify. You know, that's great. Some have asked, is this the new direction that we're headed? You know, and I would just say, I've been your pastor for four years. I have no hidden agenda here, guys. (laughs) I've been your pastor for four years. Uh, Some of you knew, but but, uh, there's no secret hidden agenda. We we believe here on the foundation of God's word and the power of a spirit. And uh, there's not a new direction. What it was was a speaker that we brought in for one Sunday that probably pushed a little bit of the envelope for some. And, and, and that's really all it was. But, but I think what it was a good thing because it stirred some things up in us. And uh, I'm actually excited. I, I was telling them, I'm excited to share this. Because, you know, it's not a heavy thing. It's like, hey, let's get this out there and talk about what the Word of God says. And a lot of these voices, they weren't negative or upset. They were just like, help me understand. Help me, give me some clarity. And there was enough of voices that I thought, well, we, we need to do something here. We need to talk about it. So anytime we're confused about anything in church or life, where do we go? The Bible, all right? Let's read it. 2 Timothy 3, 16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. That means everything that we read, even though it was written by man, all Scripture is breathed out by God. God inspired it for teaching, for reproof, that's for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, come to maturity, equipped for every good work. When we're lost, when we're confused, we've lost our ways, when we don't know what doctrine says, when we see something out of the ordinary, we always got to go back to the Word. Always. Um, Hebrews 4 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. What is, what is he saying right here, the writer? He's saying God's word cuts through the soul. It's a dividing line, and it says, okay, this stuff over here is your soulless realm, your mind, your will, and emotion. You're you're getting worked up over here. This stuff is truth, okay? And so I had a lot of conversations, dozens really, and that's good. I loved it. Um, But a lot of them centered around uncomfortableness, I don't feel, this doesn't feel right, this is not how I was brought up, all that kind of stuff. 
The reality is, is God's word that sets the course of our life. Uh, not our upbringing, um, not our background, all those things. We have to go back to God's word because we can just, we get things wrong sometimes, right? I get things wrong sometimes. There's stuff that I think, that ain't God, and then I go, oh, I guess it was God. And then there's some stuff I go, that ain't God, and yeah, that ain't God. And that's okay. We, we can get out of whack. We can look through life through a filter based upon our past experiences, based upon past church leaders, based upon hurt, even spiritual abuse. And we can form opinion based on those things and not on Scripture. So the Word is our foundation as believers. Can I get an amen on that? All right, we're all on the same. So what we're going to do is read a lot of Word to tell us how to decipher what we experience. And if you didn't experience uh, that, then, hey, you're getting a great message today on where we stand and, and, and how to navigate these things. All right. We're going to answer four questions today. Is the supernatural, super, supernatural, spiritual gifts, tongues, miracles, visions, dreams, prophecies, hearing the voice of God, are they still for today? That's the first question we're going to ask. Second t- question we're going to ask and answer is what's the purpose of them? Do, is there a purpose or is it just to be a little strange? Third, we're going to ask, what's the correct practice or order of, the, of using those gifts? And we'll talk about that. And hopefully I give some clarity there. And then four, we're going to talk about how do we discern or test what we see or we hear. All right. Does that sound like good stuff? Okay. Okay. Here we go. Let's dive in. All right. Mark 16, 15 through 18. And I just want to apologize. We have an AC out. It's like turned into a major mess. And so we're we kind of we pull it down as far as we can, but I went back and looked, and it's like going up and up and up. I apologize. We'll get it fixed. Um, it's just taking a while. They're needing parts. All right. Mark 16. And he said to them, As you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. This is Jesus' last words to his disciples. About 500 people. All right? So it's not just the apostles. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. What does he mean by that? Being, if they do not believe, they will be condemned to eternity in hell. And that's, that's the reality. Um, and these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous, and they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. Okay, these are the things. Now, um, the Bible says this is going to be normative stuff for the life of the believer. Now, we are not called to do absurd things like handle snakes. (laughs) We're not going to do that. Somebody say, amen. He's like, no, I don't want to handle grass snake, maybe, you know. No, that's not what this is about. This is divine protection. Paul was bit by, and, and this is backed up in scripture, Paul was bit by a snake. Viper came out when he was making a fire, bit him, he shook it off, power of God. As they went to the entire world to share the gospel, they weren't jumping on a plane in first class heading to Greece on caviar. 
That's not how they got there. They got there on Roman roads, which are the best, the most modern at that time. But they were sleeping out in the wilderness. I'm sure the drinking water wasn't the greatest thing. They probably encountered some nasty stuff. So God's saying, hey, as you're going out to take care of this stuff and, and do my will, I'm going to supernaturally protect you. And I'm also going to accompany you with some signs, some things that will help people believe. Jesus said, before you go, you need to wait, though, because I have a gift for you. That's the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They already had the Holy Spirit living inside them at salvation. And it's very clear in John 3 that the Holy Spirit is the one who actually activates or it gives a new birth into a human soul. So they already had the Holy Spirit, but they needed supernatural power to help them accomplish all that he had called them to do. So they were entering a broken, skeptical, brutal world, bringing gospel that no one had ever heard. In fact, Paul says this, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we are being saved now but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. So we got to get our American mind out of this for a second, okay? American mind that we all grew up around church and everybody kind of knows a little bit about, and oh, Jesus on the cross. They never heard any of that stuff. The apostles were bringing a truth, and listen to this, that a, a man was born to a virgin, and that virgin was, gave birth to the Son of God. He never sinned. He died on the cross, and this man that you never meant will save your soul from hell by his blood. Now think about that. If somebody came up to you and you'd never heard that, you're going to go, bro, what are you smoking, man? <laughs> this guy who died, okay, I don't even know this guy, and he was a criminal? Yeah, yeah, but, but no, no, it, it covers your... They were bringing this message we're used to hearing it, but they were bringing this message. That was out there. So what did they need in order to help uh, bring this message about? They needed power to go along with it, right? It's like, I'm not going to just tell you a new philosophy. I'm actually going to show you by the power of the Spirit what I'm talking about is real. And, when the, and they did some amazing, crazy stuff. It woke the church. It, it, it literally launched the church. People's lives were changed. Cities were turned upside down. And then how was that power manifested? What did it look like? Well, 1 Corinthians tells us what that power looks like. The manifest means how does it actually come about? What, when the Spirit fills a believer and baptizes them with power, what does it look like? Well, 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us what it looks like. Let's read it together. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. What was happening in the Corinthian church's spiritual gifts were all out of whack. I mean, they were just doing, people were doing prophecies in tongue and all, and nothing was in order. And he's saying, look, you're uninformed, and he's actually going to tell you, you're making people crazy the way, way you're using this stuff. And you're actually hurting the testimony of Jesus by the way you're doing this stuff. And so he says, I don't want you to be informed. That word uninformed means ignorant. I don't want you to be informed about spiritual gifts. And so he, go, he says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. I want everybody to say, to each. To each. That means every one of us. 
is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. One is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, to another faith, to no, to by the same Spirit, to another gift of healing by one Spirit, by the one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So we're going to answer the first question today. That's great, Jeff, but is that for today? And that's still for today. Well, here's the thing. There's only one of two camps that you can fall into. I'm going to put these two big words up on there. Let's look at them. Cessationism or continuationism. You're one of those people. <laughs> You're either a cessationist or continuationist. That word's hard for me to say, that second one. A cessationist is the belief that the miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit, prophecy, tongues, healings, miracles, all ceased with the deaths of the apostles. God only speaks through his word, but visions, dreams, prophetic words, that all, they all ceased with the early church and when the full scripture was given. Once all that happened, we no longer need, had any need for this. And now let me just make sure, let me just say, there's a spectrum. So not some people are a little bit, you know, a little bit more free and some people are like, absolutely no, none of that. They believe that those gifts were necessary for the establishing of the church and the writing of, of Scripture. Once all that was finished, there was no more need for gifts. Okay? Has anybody ever heard of that word before? Raise your hand if you've heard that word. Okay. Okay, we've got a few people. Now, I wouldn't say all the cessationists believe that miracles don't happen, but that the gifts of the Spirit working through people, as uh, mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, through individuals, that, that's over. That, that God can sovereignly do a miracle, but it's not through the gifts of the Spirit in operation. And the biggest fear of a cessationist is a fear of spiritual abuse and a fear of adding to Scripture. That's their biggest fear. People are going to have some kind of revelation and they're going to now create. And you know what? People do. They do. That's why I'll tell them, that's why you got to test the spirits. You got to test the spirits. It's all lines up the word of God. The continuationist, continualist, I think I, I'm always getting that word wrong, believe, they believe the opposite. God is still working supernaturally through the church, empowering people with gifts according to the 1 Corinthians 12-14. God speaks supernaturally to his people, but always in accordance with the line, in line with Scripture. So you're either a cessationist or continuationist. All right? Don't say which one you are out loud. All right. There's one primary Scripture that is used... Um, there's a couple of them. Most of them are, man, they're pretty big stretches for, the, for cessationists. But um, there's one that's primarily used, and we're gonna, let's look at what they, what they believe, and maybe, maybe you believe. I don't know, but let's, let's read it. 1 Corinthians 13. Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. 
If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, and reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with these childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have also been fully known. But now faith, hope, love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So Paul is telling us, one day these gifts are all going to be ceased. We're not going to need them. The question in everybody's mind when they read the scripture is, when does that stop? When, when is that date? What, what is the cutoff for that? Okay, you see that? He's saying it's going to cease. What's the cutoff? Well, the cessationist view is the perfect in when the perfect comes in verse 10 is referring to the finished canon of scripture. When this Bible was completely done, no more adding is done, that's God's complete letter to us, no more revelation is needed. At that point, all supernatural gifts cease, no longer needed. The apostles are died, the word is done, we don't need this stuff anymore. All right. The problem here is the Bible is perfect. The Bible's perfect, but that's not what Paul is saying. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. What do you think he's talking about there? Jesus, heaven, his earthly kingdom. He's clearly referring to when Jesus comes back and his bride sets up his earthly kingdom. We're seeing things dimly now. We're kind of trying to get, we, we prophesy, but we don't totally get the whole part. We, we, we say things, we, we, we hear things, but I'm not really quite sure. But when Jesus comes back, gets his church, and we all see him face to face, we're not going to need this stuff anymore. We're not going to need healing. <laughs> Everybody will be healed. We're not going to need prophecy because we'll be living with the perfect one, the perfect truth. He's going to tell us all things. We're, we're not going to need the miraculous because we'll live in a perfect world with Jesus. Does that make sense? So Paul's really saying, and you can actually turn this around and say, until that day happens, we're going to need spiritual gifts to help us. You see that? Okay. Another common argument is, we, is, is that this has been given is, well, we don't see any miracles or talks of, of, of tongues and healings and any of that stuff, prophecy. We don't see any of that after the Bible. It, it, it's all been none of the, none of the spiritual fathers, uh, of the church fathers, none of them talked about that. Now, there's no question that spiritual gifts did diminish. Part of the reason is the Bible talks about when the love of, of many grow cold. The church became one unified church in the 300s with Constantine and under the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church became really a political entity. Well, when, when that begins to happen and there's a lot of compromise in the church, what's the first thing to go? Usually the supernatural power of God. Right, But did it die off completely? Well, we know the last apostle, John, 
the apostle died at uh, around 100 A.D. But were there any other writings past 100 A.D. that we could look to? Well, actually, we can. Let's, we're going to look at a couple people. Irenaeus, let's look at the, Bishop Irenaeus. Let's read, he lived in 140 A.D. to 203. Let's read his, his quote. Also, we hear that many brethren in the church possess prophetic gifts and speak through the Spirit with all kinds of tongues and bring to light the secret things of men for their good and declare the mysteries of God. Okay, here's Novation. He was a theologian in the Catholic Church in Rome. Let's read what he says. This is he, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit, who places prophets in the church, instructs teachers, directs tongues, gives powers and healings, does wonderful works, offers discrimination of spirits, affords powers of government, suggests councils and orders and ranges whatever the gifts they are of the charismata. That's where we get the word. The charismatic gifts is where we get the word charisma and the charismatic. Thus make the Lord's church everywhere and in all perfected and complete. All right? This is another one we, we hear in 400 A.D. This is way after Scripture. Augustine of Hippo. He was known as a skeptic. So let's read this. A miracle that happened at Milan while I was there when a blind man had his sight restored. I've been concerned that such accounts should be published because I saw that signs of divine power like those of older days were frequently occurring in modern times too. Many miracles have occurred there at Hippo, and to my certain knowledge, many miracles have occurred there which are not recorded in the published documents, and nearly seven of these documents have been produced at the time of writing. St. Francis of Assisi in the 13th century had many miracles, over 40 doc, miracles documented. He once prayed for a man who was born with no eyes in his socket. And he prayed, and it's very well documented, he prayed, and when he prayed, after three days later, God supernaturally created eyeballs, and he came back seeing. St. Patrick, who lived in the 5th in the fifth century, saw dozens and dozens of miracles in Ireland. In Ireland, it was actually through the miracles that he, I mean, some crazy stuff. I don't have time to go over them all, but crazy miracles that literally at one point they finally said, man, take Ireland, preach any way you want. And that's how Ireland came to know Jesus. And in fact, the, the, the clover was one of the ways he, he, he used to spread the gospel. The three-leaf clover, right? Is it four-leaf or three-leaf, right? Nobody knows. Three-leaf, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's what it is. God never stopped. He never stopped. People's faith may have dwindled, but he never stopped. Scripture backs that out. Let's read this. John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whoever believes in me. Who's that? Us. Greater works than he... What works is he talking about? Well, you use the Bible to back up the Bible. And when he talks about his works, he talks about his healings and his miracles. It's very clear. John 16, 13, when he's leaving, he says... When the spirit of truth comes, they're talking about the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth and he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Holy Spirit's role in our lives is actually to speak, and I'm going to give you a couple examples, speak of things that are about to happen in our lives. Okay? 
And then Acts 2.38, on the day of Pentecost, people were saved and they were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And this is what Paul or Peter says. Each of you must repent and your sins of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's salvation. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, this promise is to you, your children, to those who are far off, far away, and all who have been called by the Lord our God. Who's that? Us. I'm telling you, you have to do some pretty big spiritual gymnastics with God's word in order to believe that God stopped working today. I heard a guy that was a former cessationist say, if you took a new Christian and you gave him a Bible and you threw him in a room and locked him in the room and said, go read this Bible, he would not come out a cessationist. <laughs> you can't read the Bible and see any of these things I mean, and come to any other conclusion that God is a worker of miracles among his people. Some of you have been under cessationist teaching and you didn't know it. These are people who love Jesus, but they are fearful of the abuse. So they throw the baby out with the bathwater. The power of God is needed in our broken world. The Church of America is really the only place the church is declining in Europe as well. You know where the places where it's exploding, and I mean exploding, it's the places that are seeing a move of God by the Spirit of God and the, and the gifts and the miracles of God working all over the place. And here's the Christian dilemma that we run into. You have to believe that none of them exist or that all of them exist. There's no middle ground because there's no scriptural backing to support that. You'd have to, re, you'd have to make your own Bible to believe that. You have to either come to the conclusion that none of them exist, God doesn't do that anymore, which I can probably, I could probably sit down and show you that really there's only one thing to believe, which is they all exist, but hey, I'll give it to you. You have to come to the place where either none of this exists or all of it exists. Because there is no doctrine in which you can find where I can pick and choose certain things. Well, that's, that's good, but that's weird. That's strange. You, you, you can't. So that's what we have to believe. And you might say, well, it's weird, Jeff. <laughs> well, it is weird. We have a supernatural God that does supernatural things. He asked Isaiah to preach naked for three years to prove his point. I mean, that's weird. <laughs> Peter's shadow healed the sick. That's strange. Handkerchiefs that Paul prayed over healed the sick. That's strange. Philip was praying, baptized the Ethiopian, and when the, when the guy comes out of the water, the, Philip's no longer there. He's been transported to another city. Weird stuff. Ananias and Sapphira drop dead in their house. It's weird. Well, it's all strange. It's weird. Tongues are strange. I mean, absolutely. But, but think about it. We believe that God impregnated a 14-year-old girl and with the Son of God. I mean, that's kind of weird. We believe that a man's blood 2,000 years ago was spilled on the cross gives us Total forgiveness of our sins and sends us to heaven. 
That's weird. You know why we believe those things? It's because the Spirit of God confirms with our heart that what we're reading is true. That is the only way this works. It's the only way it works. Everything else is a weird, weird thing to think about, and that's why people think Christians are weird, you know? It's like, okay, what do you believe? What do you believe? And okay, and it's, it's when the Spirit of God arrests the soul, and you go, I don't know why, but I believe this is true. God goes beyond our understanding. He is not of this world. Have you ever seen any of the crazy sea creatures at the bottom of the ocean? I think I got a picture of one. That's weird. That's a face only a mother could love. And yet God said, this is good. It's all weird. It's weird because we don't come into contact with that very often. And we say, that, that's really strange. You, you, you get the point. They already think we're strange. I just think, man, let's just go all the way and follow everything it says. I mean, come on. Amen. We're going to talk about order because there's order. So we haven't gotten that far, and I'm hurrying. I want God to invade our space. I want God to set people free. I want them to... To save, to, he, to him to save, heal, and deliver people and restore people. I, I, we just have to understand it. It may not always look the way we think it should look. Second question, why does God still do this? Well, 1 Corinthians 12 says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Have you ever had a prophetic word that someone helped you with a prophetic word? And you're like, how could you have known that? If you don't, we have prophetic prayer. What's this? Saturday, right? This next Saturday, come, come sign up. I heard a great story yesterday by a famous pastor who said a, a girl was walking past his office, and as, he was, as she was walking past his office, she, he immediately got a picture of her husband strangling her and abusing her. And so in a very kind way, he pulls her into his, his office and says, Hey, is there something going on that you need to tell me? She breaks down, and she says... He told me I w- that he'd kill me if I told anybody, but yeah. They were able to get that woman to safety. It was the Spirit of God. That was the word of knowledge. John Bevere, who is, I'm telling you, it's a great teaching. You know, I, I'm not trying, all the classes are going to be awesome, but you're going to love it. But he tells of a story of a woman on his staff. He was speaking in a church in Colorado Springs. And she was in the back praying in tongues quietly, just to herself, praying in her spiritual language. And um, right after the service, a man came up to her and says, man, your French is amazing. <laughs> and she was being, he had sat right in front of her, so she was just, you know, just praying in her spirit. Your French is amazing. And he, she's like, I don't speak French. You know, parlez-vous français, oui he says, no, your French was amazing. Your, your accent's amazing, too. In fact, you were speaking uh, some of the old French dialect. It's very, very proper. She says, like I said, I don't, I don't speak French. Well, he said, well, I'm a French teacher 
at the university, and I'm, I'm pretty amazed. And you know what's really amazing about all this? He says, while you were speaking in French, you would say the scripture and, re- and fully quote the scripture, and then about 10 seconds later, the pastor up there would say, turn to that scripture. And he said, you kept doing it over and over and over again. And I'm like, how is she doing this? This French is amazing, and yet she's, she's predicting everything. Does she have his notes or something? This was a sign to unbelievers. This was a sign to them, which is what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were speaking a known language that everybody could hear, and they were praising God, and they're going, how do they know our languages? And it was a sign to them, and they gave their life to Christ. It's a sign. Four years ago, I was, this church wasn't growing very much. It was in really bad shape. I was here helping my friend Ken lead this church. He was a, he was a mentor of, of ours for many years as a missionary. We weren't seeing a lot of fruit. Sarah and I had about a month of savings left. And we were like, we're going to have to get another job. You know, they, they weren't paying us, but we we're just like, we're going to have to go do something. But we were really believing in this church that God was going to do something and, and, and bring us to a place that where they could support us as uh, we were just kind of associate pastors at the time. And I can take you back to my journal. It was in about, I've said this before, but it was about 2018. It was probably, probably April or May. And I had a dream at night. And in my dream, I was in the passenger side of, of Ken, his car. He is, he's like a 1965 Mustang. And I was in the passenger side. And we got to this hill. And when, the hill, when we got to the hill, the, the car ran out of gas and it stalled. It's a dream I have. You can go look at my journal. Dream I had. And this car stalled. I got out of the passenger seat, and I went over to the front seat. Ken was, and it was vacant. And I began to push the car, and I quickly jumped into the driver's seat. And I began to coast, and I was like going downhill. And I just remember then I had like a, one of those in his dreams because I could see it had a weird camera like moved to the front of my face because I was going, yeah. Woke up, I was like, man, that's weird. I don't know what that was about. And I went to Tim and I was, or to Ken, and I was thinking, well, you know, Ken, I'm here to help push your ministry forward. Little did I know, in three months, Ken would have to step down and they would ask me to take the driver's seat. Wow. How, why would the Lord do that for me? It's because he knew I really was not sure about these things. I did, may probably have said, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. But he gave me a dream. Supernatural God saw something three months ahead of time. And then at night while I was sleeping, deposited it in my subconscious to dream about, to tell me, hey, when this happens, Jeff, don't be afraid. It's from me. Nobody, nobody can convince me that wasn't God. That's why God does supernatural things. It's to build us up, to give us direction. He wants to heal us. He wants to provide for us. He wants to show the world that he loves them, and he's not a distant God, but he's right here with them. Question number three, is there any order and structure to how these are used? And I'm going to say yes, of course, and I think many of you, this was the thing that you really needed to hear. So let's go over what, what is God's order 
And let me tell you right off the bat, we're going to follow God's order. Okay? We've got to go back to God's word, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. And I'm going to be skipping all through this back and forth, back and forth, just to make these points. So, um, so he says, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, that's a you know, song, a, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Now listen to this. Let all things be done for building up. All things. Let that sink in. Everything we do should build people up. If it doesn't, that's not right. If any speak in a tongue, let there only be one or two or at most three and in each turn and let someone interpret. But if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to the prophets. Now listen to that. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. That means blurting something out and just saying, I couldn't control myself, you are going against Scripture. Paul is saying, look... I may give you, you know, a lot of people are gifted, and we may all hear some of the similar words. That doesn't mean you always need to share it. But what he's saying is, you don't just blurt something out that's out of order. There's a proper way to do it. We'll talk about it in just a second. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So Paul's explaining what a normal church service could look like. That sounds like a pretty crazy service to me. We're going to worship together. Someone's going to share a teaching of God's word. By the way, this is where we get our, a lot of what we do, right? Now, there's some structure that maybe to, not totally from the Bible, but that, that we've just you know, learned along the way. But, but this is where we get this. Someone might share an insight they receive, a revelation they had. Someone could do a tongue, an interpretation. Someone could prophecy. This was normal in New Testament church life. Nothing in Scripture says anything, none of these things have changed. But let's get deeper. Okay? Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. Now, a few months ago, Carolyn gave a word in tongues and then interpreted. And there was a lot of questions like, well, I didn't know one person could interpret what they said. It always had to be something else. Well, let's go back to the Scripture. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. Same person. Why does God do that? I have no clue, but he's a supernatural God. Sometimes some things have to be released. I I, I don't quite understand it all. But anyone who speaks in the tongue, it could be somebody else, but you should also be prepared. And this should be a sobering thing for everyone who tries to use spiritual gifts. We don't just throw spiritual gifts out there and go throw a bomb in there and go, man, I hope what happened. And I've seen that happen. The Bible's clear that if you're going to give a, 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 a tongue, you also need to be prepared to interpret. If you're not, you should probably keep silent. Does that mean you always will? No, but that's, that's what it's saying. It says, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking, but be infants in evil, but your thinking be mature. Now he's saying, think about this, what children do. 
Children just speak out, they blurt out, they do whatever, they don't think about the consequences. But as mature with spiritual gifts, we got to be careful. And then he goes in to say this. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, we're going to talk, remember those two words, they will not say that you are out of your mind, or I'm sorry, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, and the secrets of his heart are disclosed, so, the, so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Now, this gives us a perfect insight to spiritual gifts about what they can do. When he's talking about prophecy there. I love how First Corinthians or how this is said in, in the NAS, NASB. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues and an ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are mad? What is it? Well, we understand unbelievers, but God, Paul makes a, a little bit of distinction there. Ungifted men is the word really to mean uninformed or ignorant. I, I was, uh, when I, you probably don't know this about me, but I went to school I, for a long time. I was an audio engineer. I went to school for, to be an audio engineer. That's why I'm standing right here in front of you. But um, <laughs> makes perfect sense. But um, if you were to hear me talking to another engineer, this is the best way I can explain. If you were to hear me talking to another engineer, you'd be like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Hey, man, I'm having trouble with this vocal over here. And I'd say, well, you know what? I'm hearing 400 hertz is a little bit high there. What mic did you use? Oh, the 47. Yeah, the 47 has a bump in the 2K range. I, you know what I would do is I'd take, I'd take a multiband compressor, set it to a 3 to 1 compression, and maybe set the tack pretty close and the release a little bit longer, put it right over the 2K area. You'll probably really bring the harshness down on that. <laughs> this is what he's talking about. All of you have trade talk. There's people in here that I, when I talk to, I'm like, dude, I, I don't know what you, you want to talk to my dad. He, he has to dumb it down for me to understand what he's talking about. So what Paul is saying is there's going to be people that enter into your services that are unbelievers or they're uninformed of spiritual gifts. They're not going to know. It's like, dude, what's going on? And they're going to say, you're mad. What on earth are you talking about? So then Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now he says, now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so the church may be built up. Let me speak this plainly to you. If someone speaks in tongues in a public way in our services out loud for the whole church, this needs to be clearly identified as an interpretation so that everyone benefits. If not, that tongue, that person should remain silent and we should also dismiss that as not being a spiritual gift for the body. That makes sense? Are you guys getting something out of this? Okay, okay, everybody, you're, you're thinking. We are a church made of ungifted men. It doesn't make them second-class citizens. It just means they, they don't know. We are a church of unbelievers. 
We will always be a church of ungifted men and unbelievers. That's what we're called to do. People who are coming may not be familiar with these things. So out of our love for these people, we choose to do things in order and in a biblical sense. Praying in tongues should be a private thing unless it is to be interpreted for the benefit of the church. Does that help everybody? Okay, I'm almost done here. Because all these things need to, done, need to be done in order. God is not a God of chaos. Like I said, if you want to go even deeper, there's hours of teaching in our Sunday school with um, John Bevere. All right, last question we're going to answer. Let me get the worship team. I'm going to try to get you out here. You guys hanging with me here? I didn't want to take a whole other service to do this, so just, just give me, but I'll be a little bit quick. Give me a few more minutes. How do we test what we hear? How do we know it's really from the Lord? Well, 1 Thessalonians says, Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Well, let me ask you, first of all, this also backs up the idea that prophecies will continue. Because if only the people that could prophesy were apostles and they were actually writing in Scripture, why would God tell us to test all the prophecies? Because he's saying there's going to be other prophecies that are going to come forward and you need to be able to test them. So the first thing we have to understand when we're trying to um, figure out if something from God, we have to go back to the Word of God. And you have to read the Word of God in order to know what it says. But, you know, sometimes we, get, we don't get it. That's the first line of offense or, or, or uh, first line of defense for you. The second thing is bring it to one of the pastors or to the elders. And you can ask them, hey, is this in God's Word? You know, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Hey, I had a word, I had a dream, I had a vision, I had whatever. Is this from God? Help me understand. Now, if my dream, let me give you an example. If my dream with Pastor Ken had me come out of the passenger seat, walk around to the front seat, or to the driver's seat, and physically yank Ken out of the car... I would actually know that wasn't from God because the Bible calls us to submit to our leaders. That would not be what God would call me to. Immediately, that's the way the word works. But in my case, when I saw the dream, the the seat was empty. It It was vacant. And we're to test everything that is said and hold on, it was good. You know, we don't have to be offended at people who get it wrong. No one's perfect. People are learning. Sometimes people get it wrong. That's why we're called to test it. 1 Corinthians says... One who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Prophecy should never, ever contradict Scripture, and it should always comfort, encourage, and strengthen the body of Christ. Anything else, it's not not in line with God's Word. Second thing is prophetic words should always confirm what God has already been speaking to you. It should leap in your heart. If it doesn't, you throw it out. I've shared this example before, but you know, I had a, we were leaving Tucson and a, and a guy 
called me. He was at Crash of the Nations, but they lived in Tucson. And he had a dream that me and Sarah were on the edge of a cliff holding hands with a big smile. And we, and he lift, and he, we leapt off. And he said, you know what? That God's telling you it's time to dig into all that's here in Tucson. I think you guys have been holding back. And, the, and God's saying, get all in. I get off the phone, and I'm mad. And I'm like, what on earth? Why would the Lord speak that to me? That doesn't make any sense. And then the Lord says, that wasn't for me. I've been speaking to you that it's time to go. And in fact, that guy came back to me later, a few months later, and goes, you know, my flesh was involved in that. I'm so sorry. I don't have to get mad at him or get angry or be offended. I just go, you know what? He got it wrong. I have the Holy Spirit inside me. I don't need you to tell me something. It's always a great confirmation, but I got the Holy Spirit leading me. He shrug it off. Let me finish with this last statement here. Our goal is not spiritual gifts here. It's Jesus. Spiritual gifts are not our focus. Jesus is. They are not an end in themselves. Growing closer with Jesus in the communion of the Holy Spirit is all that matters. We should earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but if you don't do them, that doesn't make you a second-class Christian at all. I wish everyone would go after it because that's what Paul says. I wish you all would be earnestly desiring after these things. You know what's more important than all that? The fruits of the Spirit. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Self-control. A lot of people operate in gifts, but they don't have the, the fruits. And when that happens, man, it tears people apart. Man, you went and prayed for somebody and something happened, but man, I saw you and the way you talked and treated that person. And you know what that does? It turns the world off and they go, yeah, fake. The gifts are here to build us up. I want to be built up. The gifts are here so that the world sees the power of God invade their life. I want People's lives are radically changed at this altar. All the time. We've seen people set free from drug addictions, alcohol addiction, depression, demonic oppression, homosexuality, pornography, pride, self-hatred. We've seen backs heals, cancer heals, you name it, we've seen it. If that was you, you might get a little cray-cray up here too. When God supernaturally touches you and you've been dealing with depression your entire life and the oil of joy comes upon you, you might get a little cray-cray. Can we just be okay and say, you know what, I'm going to give that guy some grace. I don't know his story. I just want to love him. And just know this, if somebody gets out of order, somebody starts being distracting, that's the job of the elders and the pastors to say, hey, 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 hey. Settle this down. That's not, that's not proper order. People want to put all kinds of labels on us. Pentecostal, charismatic. I don't think that helps. There's so many. The spectrum is huge on that. And then there's so many negative connotations that come with that. Here's who we are. We're a family of God who loves Jesus 
all our heart. We love one another with all our heart and we believe every word that's written in this book. That's who we are. I hope this brought some clarity. I hope it brought some comfort. I hope nobody leaves here saying, I don't want any part of that. But let me just make this last statement. I can't apologize for the Spirit of God. He's the helper. We need him. You know, people already think we're weird. (laughs) If you even believe in traditional marriage, you're called a bigot. Come on. They already think we're weird. You take the power out of the church, you got nothing to stand on. Just some ideas. Just a weird belief system. But with the power of God combined with the truth of Scripture, when they're combined, there is nothing like it. Nothing like it. And people's lives are changed. I want to see it here. And that's all I have to say. Hey, let's stand up. Lord Jesus, we just love you so, so very much, God. And we just love who you are in our lives, God. And I pray, Lord, if there was anything that wasn't clear, Lord, that you would make it clear by your Holy Spirit as people read on their own. And maybe some people are having to make decisions, but Lord, I hope they hear the heartbeat and the cry of the Spirit of God. So Lord, I pray... Take care of these saints this week, Lord. Watch over them. Lead them. Guide them, Lord. Speak to them. Show them how close and near you are to their hearts, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you need anything. You're still questioning. My door's open. Email me, whatever. Any of the pastors, any of the elders, go to any of them. We'll be glad to talk to you. Love you guys.